0: Well, good morning. We are so glad that you are here. Uh, I am so blessed and honored to be your pastor. And today is one of those days where I woke up and on my way to church, I I had a moment of uh, just thankfulness of having another day, of it being such a beautiful day outside. Although it's hot, uh, I have, even though I have Middle Eastern roots in my heritage, I have decided that I am more Icelandic in weather needs. Uh, so at some point, I may find a way, if I can, to just export all of us in the building to like northern Minnesota, southern Canada, because this hot stuff is uh, something else. But uh, you know, you sweat more, you can eat more calories, right? Isn't that a thing? So I don't know. Maybe that's a good thing. We're finishing up our series today in Habakkuk, uh, which we titled Suggestion Box, a study of Habakkuk. And Uh, I've been really um, impressed with what God has done through this series because uh, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but when I was looking for what the next sermon series would be, uh, I kind of heard this voice where it was like, you should do Habakkuk, and I asked my wife about it, and she was like, yeah, you should do Habakkuk. That's a great book because she reads her Bible, so uh, she knew that. And uh, I was like, who preaches out of Habakkuk? It's like, you know, a couple chapters and what am I supposed to do with this? And I still felt this like nagging, hey, Habakkuk, 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 and so I, Decided, which I would suggest you do to listen to God, and I feel like He has done some really awesome things through that. And so uh, I'm not taking credit for that. I just want to give credit to Him. But I do want to say I'm a little I'm a little sad that it's ending, just a little bit. We are in week six. This is our final week of the series. We start a new one next week, and it will be exciting. Called the A Team. We're going to be looking at different uh, teams throughout Scripture and uh, how they helped one another, and how we can be good team members, and also look for, at the same time, good team members. But before we get there, we do get to finish with Habakkuk. Uh, I feel like every time I say that, you need to say, bless you. Um, But we're going to be in chapter 3, verse 1 through 19 today. And in chapter 3 of Habakkuk, we see uh, a really huge shift in Habakkuk's approach to God. So much so that many biblical scholars have suggested that chapter 3 of Habakkuk wasn't actually part of the original book. Like it wasn't part of the original manuscript. That somebody came back later and added this to Habakkuk. Somebody either stole his identity or added it to the book for their own purpose. Or this one blew my mind too. There might have actually been somebody else named Habakkuk who continued to write and they just put it all together. But I am here to argue not so fast. I don't think that that's the case. I think what we see here is a man who is so in awe of the God that he serves that his only possible response is praise. And so we just see this complete change and shift in how he approaches God because he kind of is able to finally wrap his mind around what it is that God is doing. And throughout this book, we've talked about how we've seen something really awesome about how we can be honest and open in our communication with God and how we can question and how we can Ask why, and yet still have this super strong faith that what God is doing is going to be a good thing. And in chapter 3, we see Habakkuk praise God for the good thing that he is doing, and so I'm excited about it. And what we actually have here is uh, really a song of worship. So I'm going to challenge Phil to put this to music by the end of my sermon, and then sing it for all of you guys after this. So Phil, you have a task, get to work. But he starts... I'm actually going to start in verse 2, and it says, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Lord, repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. God came from Tamaan, the Holy One, from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens, and his praise filled the earth. His splendor was like the sunrise. Rays flashed from his hand where his power was hidden. Plague went before him, pestilence followed his steps. He stood and shook the earth. He looked and made the nations tremble. The ancient mountains crumbled and the age-old hills collapsed, but he marches on forever. I saw the tents of Cushion in distress and the dwellings of Midian in anguish. Were you angry with the rivers, Lord? Was your wrath against the streams? Did you rage against the sea when you rode your horses and your chariots to victory? You uncovered your bow, you called for many arrows, you split the earth with rivers, the mountains saw you and writhe, torrents of water swept by, the deep roared and lifted its waves on high. We've got a lot more going, so stick with me. Verse 11. The sun and moon stood still in the heavens and at the glint of your flying arrows, at the lightning of your flashing spear and wrath, you strode through the earth, and in anger you threshed the nations. You came out to deliver your people, to save your anointed one. You crushed the leader of the land with wickedness. You stripped him from head to foot. With his own spear you pierced his head when his warriors stormed out to scatter us, gloating as though about to devour the wretched who were in hiding. You trampled the sea with your horses. "'Churning the great waters. "'I heard and my heart pounded, "'my lips quivered at the sound. "'Decay crept in my bones and my legs trembled. "'Yet I will patiently wait for the day of calamity "'to come on the nation invading us. "'Though the fig tree does not bud "'and there are no grapes on the vines, "'though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, "'though there are no sheep in the pen "'and no cattle in the stalls, "'yet I will rejoice in the Lord.' I will be joyful in God, my savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me, he makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights written as it says in scripture for the director of music on my stringed instruments. So a song of worship. So Phil, learn the cello and put this to music by the time I'm done. You've got about uh, 14, 15 more minutes. So Habakkuk starts by, I know that was a really long passage, okay? I know it was a really solid chunk of scripture there. But Habakkuk starts this passage by addressing God in a way that as I read it over and over, I could only see Buddy the Elf expressing excitement for Santa coming to town. You guys know the scene I'm talking about. He's working in the toy shop that he doesn't actually work in. And uh, the manager of the store announced, he's like, tomorrow, tomorrow. 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town, and everybody's, Santa! Right? I know him. I know him. That's all I can see in what Habakkuk has written here. How excited he is. Yahweh! Yahweh, I know him. I know him. He just can't handle it. He can't contain his excitement. He's had this back and forth with God. And at hearing God's plan for Judah and for the Babylonians, he has nothing but astonishment. And as before he begins, uh, as he's coming up with the song of praise that just flows from him, he makes two pleas. First, he wants God to be God. God, work in your might and your power as you have before, be God. Let us see you in your fullness today, just like you were with the Exodus. Because if you guys didn't catch on, that's what he's talking about in this passage. He's reverting back to the Exodus about how the odds seemed impossible for the Israelites as they were leaving Egypt. And yet God, through his power and through his might, was able to secure their freedom, raging against the sea, splitting it open so that they could get to freedom. It talks about how the, the Kushanites and the Midianites, they're on each side. They both had encampments on each side of the Red Sea, and how they would have witnessed God just completely uprooting the waters for freedom. And he's just in awe, and he wants to see God work in such a way. God, just be God today like you were then. Act in our lives today how you were then. And I think that that's a plea that we should all be making for our time right now. God, be God today. Act in your fullness, in your power, in your majesty. Be undeniable. Be undeniable. Change the world as we know it. And then, as Habakkuk seems to often do, he asks that God be righteous and merciful in his wrath. But God, in your wrath, show us mercy. Because he knows that in order for God to be God in his fullness, in order for God to change the world for the better, in order for God to redirect the path that they are headed down, that it is going to require wrath. It is going to require big, major changes. And oftentimes when that takes place, there is unfortunately some collateral damage. And so he's just asking that in this, God also be merciful. Habakkuk wants the full measure of God's power, but he's also requesting the full measure of his grace. And again, we see how we as Christians can be on both sides of the fence in a righteous way, where we can want fully for God to be God, but we can also desire that God be merciful to those that he can be merciful to. And he just wants God to intervene. God just intervene. We need you, and we need you so badly, but God, please be merciful. Please be merciful. Today, right now, in our country, and in our world, I can just tell you from a personal level, I connect with this request at such a deep level. We see pain and suffering and injustice and sinfulness and Satan working it seems at every corner. And our world, if we're being honest, is a dark place. It is. But there's also so much beauty to be had. There's also so much of God's majesty on display that we can remain hopeful even though we face the darkness that we face. And I don't know about you, but I know that we need God's fullness and we need God to intervene in various crisis situations that we have around our world. People are looking for all of these different solutions to our world's problems. How can we fix this? How can we turn things back? How can we turn back the clock to a time where we cared more about other people than we cared about ourselves? And the answer is very simple. It's Jesus. It's God. Our world is desperately needs to know our savior and his father. And so I desire for God to intervene and to make himself known. But at the same time, I will tell you that I have a vast love personally for people that are not like me and don't think like me and may not look at the world like I do, and who if we sat down and talked through all the issues would be on the other side on every single one, and I want them to be able to meet God and also experience mercy. It's one of those things where we need change, but I personally want as little collateral damage as possible. And I think that that's a godly desire. I also think that that is God's desire. We see in scripture over and over how he continuously gives nations and individuals chances, chance after chance after chance to correct things themselves so he doesn't have to be that God who brings wrath. And it's only at that point where they have determined and destined themselves to stand in opposition to him that wrath comes. And so... I pray, I hope that God will intervene and that people will see him before it gets to that point. But I also recognize, like Habakkuk said a couple weeks ago or two weeks ago when Ronnie preached, we've got to be clear about our message, right? We've got to be clear about our message and we've got to be patient about what God's doing. And that takes our effort. We have a job to do in this task. We must show the world who our God is is we need the full measure of God if things are going to change, but at the same time, mercy, mercy. That's kind of the first two verses that we read. That's what Habakkuk is really pleading for with God. And then three through 15 are really this hymn of praise. In verse four, he compares God to a sunrise. And I think it's a really beautiful picture of who God is. You see, as the sun raises in the sky and becomes more prominent, its power and its influence become more undeniable. Some of you know this better than uh, others because you are pasty kings and queens. And if you step outside, you turn into lobsters. Uh, I'm not looking at you, Caitlin, so don't look at me and put your hands up. There's others There's others, right? But you can step outside and understand the power of the sun a lot better than some because it doesn't take but a couple minutes and you're feeling it. Well, when we stand in the presence of God, his power and his influence are undeniable. In fact, it compares him to how beams just radiate from his hands. And how to be in the presence of God is to know and experience God. And he knows that that is what's coming. God's power is undeniable. The only way, the only way to ignore the power of God, to ignore God himself, is to willfully claim ignorance. That's the only way people who have been introduced to God can say, there is no God is to willfully say, hmm, that's not so. To make that decision, to harden their heart, sort of like Pharaoh before the Exodus, to who God is. And this is exactly where the nation of Judah has found themselves. They have willfully decided that God is not God. And they have made other things their God, their power, their influence, their goods, their deeds their idols. And so Habakkuk speaks of this vision of God marching across the earth, preceded by plague and pestilence, his might on full display. He shakes the earth when he finally stands to judge. I want you to think about that. Again, we have so many beautiful images of who God is in this passage. But here's God sitting on a throne, or like one of those chairs, you know, I don't know what it's called, but the thing that people put on their shoulders is just now coming to me. Like the, everybody understand what I'm saying? Somebody rides on it. It's like a seat, a throne, and she's got like four people. A a what? Sorry, online folks. It's called a sedan, not to be confused with a Corolla. Uh, But anyways, I picture God riding on this sedan, right? As he's, marching across earth. He's being carried by his angels. And again, this is not in the script. I, I'm. This is just what I picture. And as he stands, as he finally comes to the place where he has to pass judgment, he stands up. That's all it takes. And the whole earth trembles. There's a time in my life where I weighed about 470 pounds and that happened in my room every time I got out of bed. So I relate to it on a different level, but I'm just, I'm just Think about the power of God to just shake the entirety of earth just by standing. And it says that, he then goes on, if he just looks in the direction of these people, they quake in terror just by looking upon them. We serve this big, powerful, amazing, undeniable, prominent, just sunlight-giving God. And yet, as sinful beings, and I am putting myself firmly in the sinful beings camp, we still look at God and think, he's not big enough. He can't do this. I'll just handle it. I'll take the reins, right? And then we wonder how we ever get to a position that Habakkuk finds himself in where he's pleading with God to move and then says at the same time, yeah, I don't want you to move like that. We look at God as if he's not capable enough to handle our problems and then wonder how we get to a position where wrath ends up having to be his answer. And somehow we still blame him for that. We don't allow him to help, but it's his fault that he didn't. How in the world have we gotten there? So his might on full display display as he stands, trembles the earth, shakes the earth. And it says that the mountains and the oldest of hills crumble before him. Where he talked about how the Midianites and the Cushites, they they shake in their tent, they had these encampments on either side of the Red Sea, and when God parted the waters, they were just in awe. And it's perfect that he puts that right behind the mountains and the hills crumbling cuz think about those mountains and think about those hills, the ultimate display of strength here on earth. What is more immovable than a mountain? What is more long lasting than an ancient hill? And yet they crumbled before God. So imagine how helpless these people groups felt as they took to their tents for shelter. Their tents didn't stand a chance. Here's the thing about God. Just as God once worked on behalf of his people, he continues in power and might to work on behalf of his people. And if you can count yourself in that group as one of his people, he is ready to work on your behalf. He is ready to move mountains and crumble hills and change your life in a way that you can't right now comprehend. It may hurt a little bit. There may have to be some reshaping that takes place in order for God to do that in your life. But can you, in the midst of seeing God's power and might, recognize through faith that He is doing good and working On your behalf. In verses 11 through 15, Habakkuk continues to sing of God's power and provision as it was seen through the exodus. And the thought of it all leaves Habakkuk in shambles. I want you to think about how he describes himself in reflection of what God is doing. I heard and my heart pounded, my lips quivered, decay crept in my bones and my legs. Trembled. He is losing all control of his faculties. He is a puddle before this powerful God. Why? Because this God that he has described is coming to judge Habakkuk's people and to bring about change. And God rarely does something on a minor scale. That's something that I have discovered in my life. I think too often that we forget that this God that Habakkuk describes is our God as well. We love the God that is all loving. We love the God that is merciful. We love the God who sent his son to die for us so that we could experience forgiveness. We love the God who wants to provide for us, who wants to make all things work together for our good, which in this situation still happens but we forget about the God who demands righteousness. And we forget about the God who is all powerful and who can crumble mountains and make nations shake just by turning his face towards them. That also describes our God. I say this for two reasons. If you're on the wrong end of this equation, get it right because he still is that merciful God. He is that God that will allow for forgiveness. He is that God that will wash away your sins. But you have to truly be repentant. So if there's something in your life that you need to be repentant of, now's the time, right now. It's time to repent. I also say this to you because if you're on the side of the equation that has been wronged, that has been harmed, That looks around at this world and sees people who are not living righteous lives, who are harming and hurting others, they have to deal with the same God. And they will deal with the same God. Your job is not to focus on them, it's to focus on Him. He will take care of them, they will get what's coming unless they can truly be repentant about their ways. And I believe firmly that even though we experience forgiveness, we'll still have to deal with an amount of punishment. So understand that they'll get what's coming to them. What you need to worry about is your relationship with God and how you can ensure that you personally are on the right side of that equation. Righteousness will be the measuring tool and justice will be his. And those who come up short will face the consequences. But Habakkuk, and this is why I love Habakkuk because this is how he ends, despite his fear that he easily expresses, Despite being a puddle, of losing all control of his faculties, of seeing what's on the horizon and being completely and understandably fearful, expresses faith and expresses patience. I will wait on God to punish those who are coming to punish us. He will wait for this nation of invaders to be dealt with. He believes in God's promises. He will be joyful in his Savior, and he will rely on him for strength. Throughout this beautiful book, we have seen what an honest and open relationship based on real communication with God looks like think if we could all get there our lives would drastically change i think it's an ideal goal for what our relationship should be it shows what our relationship with god can be but in the end in the end it comes back to faith it comes back to faith when you are in the midst of experiencing the trials when you are in the midst of god bringing about righteousness, sometimes through his wrath, wrath. We can question, we can wonder why, we can desire, and we can ask for change. But in the end, in the end, the question remains, can we express faith in the face of fear? Because that shows what your relationship with God is like more than anything else. That shows the strength of your belief. That shows the strength of your connection. That in the face of fear, in the face of trial, in the face of everything going wrong, can you still look at God and express faith in him? I don't know why. I can't explain it. It doesn't make sense to me, God. But I will believe. I will have faith that you are bringing about good in this scenario. That right there shows who God is to you. Because if he's only God when things are good, if he's only a good God when things are good, is he really your God at all? Let's pray. God, I come to you right now. I thank you for this day. I thank you for this book of Habakkuk, for what it teaches us, for what we can glean from it and what we can learn. God, I pray that you would help all of us develop an open line of communication with you where we can come to you out of real concern and ask questions and wonder why and seek answers and also take the time to shut up and listen and to be affected by your response. God, change our lives, change our world. We need you, me as much as anybody. We are far from perfect. We make so many mistakes. We are not a congregation of perfect people that have perfect answers. But God, I pray that you will make us a congregation of people that is faithful, that chooses to believe in you in the midst of trial in the midst of fear that chooses to say that my God is bigger my God is more powerful I don't understand it I don't get it I don't have a good answer for why this is happening but I will trust I will trust and I will wait for the end of the story I'll see how it finishes I'll be patient with you. And I will believe in you. Help us to be people who have an earthly impact for eternity. Who don't just sit back necessarily and wait for you to do everything, but seek how we can further the kingdom with you. How might you use us so we can change the world for God? so that we can show others the merciful, powerful, righteous, sometimes wrathful God that we serve. I desire to be more like you. And I know that so often I fail at that, that even though I believe in forgiveness even though i believe that you are in control god there are so many times where i still let the past shackle me to what i was i still let the past shackle me to what has taken place to me god help us to break those chains Help us to follow you and to not look back, to forgive ourselves, and God, if we can, to forgive others. Just as you have forgiven us. I ask for all these wonderful, powerful things in Jesus' magnificent name. Amen. Jake, will you stand back over here and be ready to pray? And uh, Joy, would you mind? Joy Weaver will be over here under this television. So you've got two options. I'll be straight in the back if you would like to come pray with me. If you have something that you need to pray about today, come pray with one of us. We would absolutely be honored to pray with you. We desire to pray with you. If you are in a place where you say, I don't know about my relationship with Christ. I don't know if I'm a Christian. I want to uh, speak to somebody about that. Come talk to me about that today. Okay, or grab someone else in here that you know has a strong relationship with Christ and they can help kind of walk you through those steps. Otherwise, stand now and worship the God God who is worthy of our praise.